I'm your host, Annie Bowles, and this is News Du Jour. Welcome to News Du Jour. You may be wondering, why am I, Annie Bowles, here hosting this podcast? Well, I usually start by telling people I'm a political baby. You see, my parents met while they were working on Capitol Hill. By the time I was two, I had been in my first political commercial and even gotten lost crawling around the West Wing. Don't worry, Al Gore found me. My family then moved abroad when I was nine, and I attended an international school in Brussels with kids from all over the world, and it's this type of global perspective that I also bring to our show. I graduated from American University in D.C. after studying political science and art history, as well as interning on both sides of Capitol Hill. I even interned down the hall from where my parents met. I'm now pursuing a professional certificate in journalism at NYU in conjunction with Rolling Stone magazine. I guess I was always that friend in the friend group who cared deeply about what was going on, not just politically, but globally. I often kept my friends informed through high school and even into young adulthood, so I guess I've always done a version of this show. I'm genuinely passionate about following the news, and I'm here to break it down for you every weekday. We strive to be a calmer space to get your news, but as one listener put it, we are kind of like getting your news from a well-informed bestie. I'm so glad you're here. Okay, so right here at the top, I have a very exciting announcement for you guys. Our agency that represents News Du Jour is called Big Pond Podcast, and they are officially merging with SiriusXM, which means News Du Jour is becoming part of the SiriusXM family of podcasts, which is a huge network and definitely a household name. This switch may require some migration of our show's hosting, so bear with us in case there are slight interruptions in our posting schedule. We will definitely try to let you guys know in advance when those are coming because, again, it's going to require us to move hosting, um, and that may cause some issues on the back end. But either way, this is really exciting for our show to become part of such a big and well-known, you know, very visible group of podcasts. I think it's great for our show and it's going to be a chance for us to spread the word about News Du Jour even further. So for today's episode, we don't have any mini stories Don't know how that's possible, but sometimes that happens. We're going to go over a little bit more info on the new Hunter Biden charges, as well as some updates in Israel and Gaza. And then we will end off with a really fun story about Krispy Kremes in Paris. Let's jump in. So like I said, we're going to start off with some more info on the Hunter Biden, the new charges uh, that he is facing. So a federal grand jury just charged Hunter Biden with running a scheme to essentially evade taxes on millions of dollars of income that he had made from foreign businesses. 
Of course, these charges seem like they may be in an effort to tie these crimes back to his father, the president of the United States. There was a 65-page indictment, though, that went along with these charges, and it outlined the tax evasion, things like failure to file taxes, failure to pay taxes, filing with a false or fraudulent tax return, and evasion of tax assessment. So there's a lot at play here. And if you guys remember, he's also facing some gun-related charges as well. So we'll definitely keep you guys posted as these unfold. Of course, Hunter's lawyers are playing this as a political case and saying that if Hunter had any other last name other than Biden, that he would never be facing these charges in the first place. Is that true? Hard to say, but we will be sure to keep you guys posted again as this case unfolds. And I think that this is just set to further murky the waters of an already extremely complicated and unprecedented 2024 presidential election. For our next story, we're going to head over to Gaza and get you guys some updates to do with the war. Content warning, though, this story does involve war. So for our first update, we are hearing that Hamas fighters are surrendering in the north. And of course, this comes as we're hearing, you know, the potential for flooding, the tunnels and, you know, things are really intensifying in Israel's hunt for Hamas. Netanyahu has attested that essentially Hamas soldiers have begun surrendering, which is definitely a positive thing. The sooner that they surrender, the sooner the bloodshed can come to an end and the international community can get to work helping Palestinians install the real leadership that they deserve. So Netanyahu is calling for them to surrender en masse and not to die for their corrupt leadership hiding out elsewhere safely. That said, there have also been videos and photographs of men in Gaza stripped down to their underwear, lined up in the streets and in the back of trucks and on sandy plains. Initially, some people were saying that these were the Hamas fighters who were surrendering. But these men have attested that Israeli soldiers rounded them up and grilled them about any potential connections to Hamas, basically forcing them to strip down and sit in the street for hours, though. They were specifically looking for men whose faces appear in the videos of October 7th beheading and raping civilians in Israel. Eventually, these men were let go, but they were forced to walk home miles and miles naked and barefoot through the streets with broken glass everywhere and in the dark of night around 1.40 a.m. So this was definitely a very strange series of events, and all of this is according to the BBC. For our next update, a Palestinian poet and professor was killed in Gaza. So I want to preface this by saying this man is a very controversial figure and we are going to dive into exactly why, but he was also a very prominent figure in online debates about this conflict. So I wanted to let you guys know about his death. This is a man by the name of Rifat Al-Rir and he was a Palestinian poet and professor. He refused to leave northern Gaza, wanting to bear witness to what was about to unfold there. But as we know, northern Gaza is the center of the fighting in this war and the most dangerous place to be. 
That said, he had gone on BBC and defended Hamas's actions on October the 7th, likening their acts of terror to the Warsaw Ghetto Uprising, which is just such a false comparison. In the instance of Warsaw Ghetto Uprising, civilians chose to fight an army in an attempt to save their own lives. On October the 7th, a military force attacked unarmed civilians, not to mention using rape, torture, mutilation, and kidnapping to inflict maximum harm on these civilians, not to fight for their lives. So obviously, this was a horrifying thing to say. He also, you know, sort of complimented those events quite a bit, saying that they were justified and moral and things of that nature. So he is incredibly controversial, but he was also a thought leader in the Free Palestine movement. So he's become very prominent online and he, as well as his family, were killed in an Israeli airstrike just recently. So I wanted to let you guys know in case you're seeing his name floating around and wondering who he was and what exactly had happened with him. Next up, the Egyptian president has actually gotten more popular throughout this conflict. So amid a mind-blowing turn of events, and despite his crazy language on the subject, Egypt's boxing out of Gaza has apparently garnered the president more support at home. He's actually faring much better in the polls following his actions to do with Gaza, according to reporting for the New York Times. Because here's the thing. Across Egypt, the view is that allowing Gazans into Egypt might relocate them there permanently. And Egyptians want to see a free Palestine with its people happily settled there in their homeland, not biding time in Egypt while they slowly assimilate to Egyptian culture and never end up making it back home. So they actually have begun protesting in support of Palestinians and boycotting Western goods like Pepsi and more in order to try and move away from Western leadership in the world. But some do question whether Egyptian leadership is doing enough to facilitate the flow of aid into Gaza. But that said, the president has gotten more popular during this time. And for our final update on the subject of the war, UPenn president resigned after congressional hearings. So the UPenn president, Elizabeth McGill, has resigned from her position following her pretty horrifying testimony before Congress. If you guys want more backstory on this, we discussed it on Friday's episode in depth, but essentially she failed to answer the question of whether or not students who called for genocide against Jews would be violating the school's ethics code, which outlaws things like bullying. So it's really hard to imagine how that question would not have had a simple and concise answer. Miss McGill will serve out her term until the interim president can be named, In her resignation, she made no reference to what had happened. She simply used two sentences, quote, It has been my privilege to serve as president of this remarkable institution. It has been my honor to work with faculty, students, staff, alumni, and community members to advance Penn's vital missions, end quote. Was this an act of cowardice or the direction of a 
PR crisis handler of some sort. We will never know. But either way, she's out. And critics are now turning their sights to two other university leaders who testified that day in pretty equally alarming ways, one from Harvard and one from MIT. If there are any changes in that leadership, we will be sure to let you guys know. And for our last story today, I just had to throw this one in here to start off your week. I thought this was so cute. I just I was obsessed with it. So Krispy Kreme's goes to Paris in a land known for its pastry. You'd think that they'd be pretty hard to impress when it comes to breakfast sweets. But Krispy Kreme has officially opened its first location in Paris. And before the clock had even struck 8 a.m., the 400-person line was waiting all the way down the block. Apparently, the French were really eager to try an American classic that they had seen in film and TV in their iconic white, green, and red boxes. But apparently the store was not really a test run. Krispy Kreme has big plans for France. They're actually in the process of rolling out 500 different points of access, quote unquote, as they put it, around France, according to CNN. These will include things like donut vending machines and small kiosks inside grocery stores. So cute the way they are embracing this emblem of American culture that the French can traditionally kind of have an ire for. I thought this was really a fun story, and I hope they continue to love this American classic. And that is the news du jour. Today, I wanted to leave you guys with the quote, Sometimes the most beautiful thing is precisely the one that comes unexpectedly and unearned. Hence, something truly given as a present. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe on whatever podcast platform you use to listen. A rate and review on that platform or a shout out on social media would mean the world to us and help us to be able to keep creating the news du jour and reach more people who need a calmer space to consume the news. But the best way to support all of our work is to become a patron at www.patreon.com forward slash sugarfreemedia. And that is also linked in our show notes. You can follow us on social media at newsdujour.podcast on both Instagram and TikTok. You can follow my personal account at It's Annie Bowles on both platforms as well. Any little noises you may hear in the background are my rescue pup. He has a little separation anxiety and always records with me. We appreciate you listening and look forward to telling you about the news again next time on News Du Jour. Broadcasting from.